This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by USCFootball.com. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCFootball.com. Alongside Chris Trevino, Chrissy T is right here. And we got Jack Smith, our great intern. Who's I get a lot of compliments about you, Jack. People pull me out of nowhere. At the Coliseum, some guy comes up to me and is like, I like your new guy, Jack. I'm like, all right. So Jack's, you know, he's doing a great job. He's uh, going to be running the board, hosting the show today. We wanted to talk about, of course, USC's 45-17 win over the Fresno State Bulldogs in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. The Chargers are 3-0. and Another offensive explosion to start the to start the game. Uh, defense holding, holding Florida, I mean, Florida State, Fresno State. Florida State would be tough, too. saying FSU, FSU. It's not oh, FSU, I, I by the way. I don't know why people, I was like, I've never seen that. Stop doing that. It's Cal Stop State it. University, Fresno, so they don't say FSU. People say that a lot. So just so you know, don't say FSU because they don't like that. I used to cover... I used to run the bark board. I used to cover uh, Fresno wow. State. Yeah, okay. back in the day. Wow. Back when Derek Carr was uh, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, who now reunited in uh, Las Vegas. But that was some fun times. Three-hour drive, though, to like cover practice. Not so fun. But You actually did. cover the practice? I did. I would. I'd, I'd drive oh, up for goodness. a couple practices at a time. But as we digress, uh, yeah. So Fresno State uh, comes into the Coliseum. USC uh, beats them down pretty good, 45-17. So we're going to kind of talk about that. We're going to talk about there's some Pac-12 news. We get to. I do the podcast of champions later in the week, but man, Herm Edwards getting fired at Arizona State. So we'll we'll touch on that a little bit. We'll take your live calls five one two four tunnel if you want to call in and uh, should show up. You know, just give a little brief description of what you want to say. Try to keep it to one question. Keep it brief. Jack will be monitoring those, and we'll get to those questions and comments and stuff later on in the show. We should be live on all three platforms: on YouTube, on Facebook, and on the Twitter. You got the Twitter. You got, tweets. To, you got the tweets. You got to catch up to uh, Shoddy Shot Shotgun and your uh, followers. That's not supposed to be a public thing. Oh, that's yeah. like my secret project. Follow him on Twitter at Chris and Trevino. I hope he's not watching right now. If he gets wind of it, he's just going to shut it down. Well, yeah, he's going to like just try to build his following. No, he's he's yeah, going to report we, you on Twitter. We, we got to keep going. He's going to tell you guys. has this baseball thing too. So he's <laughs> he's going to combine the two. That's what he always did with Keeley. Can I do my TikTok? Yeah. Oh yeah. At at the Peristyle, we are growing. We passed the 10k mark on the TikToks. Uh, yeah, I've been putting some stuff up there. I'm trying to help you out, you know. Because I needed it. Old man doing the TikToks. <laughs> but uh, it's been fun. That's been a lot of fun. But you can follow us on any of those platforms. If you're going to put comments on Facebook or on uh, YouTube, we should be able to put them up on the screen. If you say something funny, Jack will notice it and then put it up on the screen while we're talking. Maybe you're insulting us. Whatever you want to do. If it's funny, we'll put it up there. Very self-deprecating here over on the show. Uh, but yeah, 
It was a late night. Um, I left the press box at 1.30, and you two were still there working. Uh, just people were like, oh, what are you going to do after the game? You want to come get a drink? I'm like, no, we're working the entire time. It's, it's you know, it's work. It's work all weekend. But it was fun. It was an interesting game. Uh, one thing I noticed is uh, if you remember the Rice game, USC kind of came out and blitzkrieged them. Touchdown, 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 first three drives. Stanford, touchdown, 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 first five drives. This game, another three straight touchdowns. When you can put your offense on the field and just score the first three to five times you get the ball, score touchdowns, it's going to put a lot of pressure on your opponent. I think that's something like USC, if you want to say USC has an identity, it's like we're going to put pressure on our opponent like right away. Yeah, that's kind of the makeup of this team right now and how it fits with their offense is we're going to score, get up early, and then make that opportunistic defense maybe bend a little bit, but then you know they'll make plays when they need to, whether that's a big sack, whether it's a big tip in the end zone, whether that's holding you a field goal, or just straight out taking the ball away. That's sort of the mold and the build of this USC uh, team right now. High-scoring offense and a defense that is going to give up yards, but they're also going to make plays when they need to. And as you mentioned, you know, three straight drives open the game, but a little bit different than we've seen before, Ryan, because before it was like Blitzkrieg, as you said, super yeah. fast scoring. Those first three drives, 12 was, plays, 12 this, plays, 15 this plays. This was like trench warfare. We went from from the Blitzkrieg of uh, World War II to like back in World War One. We're just like sort of trudging forward and t- getting fighting yards at a every time. Inch, fighting Fourth for every inch. Fourth down conversions. They face three, three, three third Four. downs. In that opening drive, or something I think like so, yeah. that, something like that, and, a, and maybe two fourth downs, or yeah, that, like, yeah. It was early on, it, other than the first two drives or, or whatnot, but a lot of you know tight downs, you know critical downs they had to face. You know they didn't face the third down until the second quarter of the Stanford game. Yeah. Something incredible like that. So just showing that this offense can get it done both ways, get you an offense that can do both, whether that's score in four plays, which they did in this game, or do an offense that can score in fifteen plays. You know drain that clock give their defense some rest or, you know, just be, be an offense that can keep the ball away from the other team. If the other team is, you know, also hot on offense, you know, slow them down a little bit, drain it out, bleed them out a little bit with a, with a long drive. And, you know, Lincoln Riley said after the game, you know, that's something we needed to show that we can do. And yeah, absolutely. They, they got that done early in this game. Yeah. If, if we want to stay with like the war kind of analogies, it's not like this is a, an offense that can, it has a Navy, it has an air force, it has the army, it has Marines, like, Coast Guard, like they can score a whole bunch of different ways. If you want to have uh, two running backs go over 100 yards and average like over nine yards a carry, you can do that. And if you need to, all right, instead of you know picking up six yards a, a, a chunk and just never seeing a third down, you're going to have some bad plays. He had more. He had more incompletions. Caleb Williams had more incompletions in this game than he had the first two combined. You know, 12 incompletions versus 10. And do you need to see what he can do on a critical down? The money downs, third downs. He was, you know, they really good doing that. And if they didn't get it on third down, he picked it up on fourth down. So, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, to just the versatility of how they can beat you. They're still going to score a bunch of touchdowns. It's just like, um, this week it might be fast. Next week it might be slow. I don't know. What did you think, Jack? Yeah, I mean, Caleb Williams shows you pretty much everything you want to see from your quarterback throughout the first two weeks, but he didn't have to make the third down plays, the fourth down plays, because that's not what you want your team to have to do. This time, that it is what USC had to do for a little bit, and Caleb Williams was fantastic at it. Picked up a fourth down or two with his legs, was able to QB sneak it uh, for a touchdown. He, he really did everything under the sun against Fresno State, which really, I think, just supplements what he did in the first two games. So I think on the Caleb Williams side, he showed you everything on the football field. And from USC, it was diversity like 
Chris and I talked about in instant analysis, not only do you have a difference in switching from a pass-first offense to a rush-first offense in the second half, but also being able to put together a 15-play drive and also a four-play drive. Like, this offense is just so diverse. Yeah, it was, it's impressive. You know, the, and I don't know what you thought, Chris, but, like, to me, this definitely didn't look like a crisp. You know, when you watch the first couple games, every every route that the guys ran, it seemed like someone was wide open. And this was it was harder. It was harder for Caleb Williams to find guys. Uh, I thought you know Fresno State did a good job in coverage, but I felt like the pressure was getting to him. No Cortland Ford. He was he was out for this game, even though he dressed. Uh, so you had Bobby Haskins start, and then he was banged up a little bit. So we saw Mason Murphy, and as soon as he gets in the game, uh, they give up a sack. There was one play where. You know, after that, Caleb Williams was sort of running around for eight seconds and could have dumped it off maybe to Travis Dye and held it and get sacked again. It felt like he was like, you know, seeing ghosts a little bit. We've seen that before happen, or just you know, with, maybe he was a little rattled. You know, they just haven't been in that kind of situation before. But even on a night, you could say, you know, he wasn't. He looked mortal. He wasn't like as crisp. They still were scoring. Like it still was like, oh man, third and eleven. Like they haven't even faced that all year. Okay, he just picks it up, or they pick up nine and then they run for it. You know, get and get it on fourth down. So that was impressive to me. That it looked like you have clunker games, right? You have an off night. Like it looked like this was his off night, and they still scored a whole bunch of points. Yeah, talking about what you said about you know in the Rice game and how that looked, it was just so smooth. It looked so effortless, and you could tell like, oh, the machine is running. Yeah. the oil's in. It's going, but. Saturday, it was more, I would say, gritty. You know, it wasn't yes. as it wasn't as uh, beautiful. It was a little bit ugly, a little bit thudding. But that's football, right? You know, sometimes it's not always going to be beautiful. Sometimes, uh, you know, obviously football is a violent sport. Sometimes you're going to have a little, you'll be a, just a little bit off, and that's going to change a lot of things that you do on offense. But to be able to still win and still move the ball, being kind of a gritty offense, you know, that has to try a little bit harder, you know. Uh, uh, put a little more effort into, you know, getting that open, getting, you know, the the receivers were, were covered a lot, a lot tighter than we've seen in the past yeah. couple of weeks. So, you know, you got to find a way to win and great teams find a way to win, even if, you know, they're not rolling on a hundred cylinders, you know, maybe they're only on 70 cylinders or whatever. That analogy doesn't make any sense, but you know what I'm saying? Maybe you're not, <laughs> you're not at full capacity is what you can do as an offense, but you still find ways to make plays pick up third downs, pick up fourth downs, and more importantly, find the end zone. And that's kind of what this offense showed. Wasn't perfect, but they still found a way to put up points in the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought it was a good, good performance, obviously, 45 points. I mean, I think you tweeted or Shotgun tweeted, the, you know, the the last time USC started the season scoring at least 40 points was the 2005 season. And if you remember, I think it was, it was the Arizona State game uh, in the fourth game that they didn't score 45. It was like 38 or something. And that was a ranked Arizona State team. So USC can kind of if they can score 40 or, or more against Oregon State, you can kind of push that, something the 2005 team didn't do. Um, speaking of not being perfect on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, we get a lot of concerns. Uh, sometimes just I get that people want to complain, but you remember like someone complained last week uh, and they were like, this defense is bad. They just need to get in the backfield more, more tackles for loss. And then Shotgun's like, well, they got 20, which is the most in the Pac-12. Now they have, I think, 26 tackles 26. for loss. Uh, five more sacks uh two more turnovers you know one of them's a you know malcolm epps which is awesome uh interception on a, still counts but it's not like the others yeah and it was funny that uh alex grinch afterwards was saying like you know statistically like he was talking about like we kind of want some if you can tip it you might get intercepted i mean it might be you know caught by the offense so he's like if you can intercept it he's like i just do that too so i don't know whatever they're doing but malcolm epps uh gets that interception but 
you know, they only score, give up 17 points um, to Fresno State, which is a you know prolific offense. Jake Hayner, unfortunately, goes down. Uh, that looked terrible, but you know, Fife comes in and and goes ten for eleven. You know, it's not like they, they it's not like the quarterback play fell off. And uh, Lincoln Riley talked about it. Like, you know, this is one of the, you know, Jeff Tedford's one of the great quarterback minds in the game. You know, your backup's going to be ready. So another four hundred thirty yard whatever performance for Fresno State. But in the end of the day, it's like seventeen points, a couple turnovers, some big negative plays. Uh, people are getting, you know, oh, the, the defense is terrible, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think, I still think it's a defense that complements this offense. And yeah, you gave up yards or some big chunk plays and things like that. But, you know, it's about points and only giving up 17. Uh, that's not too bad. I see, I see both sides, Ryan. I yeah. see why people, uh, you know, maybe the more negative ones uh, talking about uh, last night's defensive performance. Instead of you know, kind of celebrating the win a little bit, because I think they see they have the crystal ball, they see into the future that this defense is going to get them in trouble a little bit down the line. Whether that's against Utah, maybe that's this week against Oregon State, we don't know. But at some point, USC is going to be in a real shootout where the yeah. turnovers aren't happening and the big plays keep getting allowed by this defense, and it's going to be a very interesting game. So I think they're looking at the future and seeing that, but. In the meantime, I think it is important to kind of celebrate that the defense does or did make plays and it continues to make plays week after week. Maybe that's not always at the, the perfect time, but it seems to be at the right time, whether that's, you know, the end of the Stanford game, getting that big sack on Hayner, right, coming out of the halftime to kind of halt their momentum and get the ball back and kind of reset that offense after that, you know, poor second quarter, how they ended. Just plays like that, or whether it's a Thule sack coming out, coming up big, third down deflection by Eric Gentry. Those little things matter, and you know I think the defense will grow from that. They're right in that they they give too much too much explosive plays. Um, you know that run defense can be really porous at times, so it's going to bite them at some point. I don't know when, don't know where, don't know what it's, the end result is going to be, um, but we'll have to see. But right now, you know the defense is still able to make plays and still able to help a team pull out victories. And yeah, through three weeks, you know, they've done that. Yeah. I think you have to keep it in perspective. And Jack, sure. I want to get your thoughts on this too, where this was a team a year ago that was four and eight, right? And you're like, oh, if they play Georgia, they're going to get killed. Yes. Well, so when most people get killed, right? I mean, this is, look at the schedule. And we had a question on the, the, the podcast this morning I did with Harvey Hyde is, was Fresno State's offense the best that USC is going to see the rest of the way like Oregon State's got a really good run you know they'll run at you that could cause you know this defense some problems Utah's got a mobile quarterback uh you know they can run they can throw like I think that's going to be mm -hmm. the most the best offense you see but like Cal's offense looks bad Notre Dame's looks offense looks bad Arizona State's just bad you know we'll talk about that I mean there's just there, you know Arizona's okay you know there's um there, there's just teams that you're going to play you're like okay Washington State it, as in, the offense hasn't been good they're more of a defensive team you're not looking at these crazy good offenses that the defense is going to get torched by. Not Notre Dame. No, Notre Dame is, is just, they were awful. You know, maybe they'll get better. But uh, it's one of those things where, okay, yeah, but th these are games that the way USC played on one side of the ball, you would have lost last year, and now you're winning. And I get, I get it. They're like, hey, it's not perfect. They're like, well, he took over a pretty bad team, and look where they are now. So I don't, any thoughts on the defense, Jack? Yeah, and I mean, they're not perfect. We knew they weren't going to be perfect. You can bring in a lot of transfers, but... 
as as much as Alex Grinch or Lincoln Riley want to say that's not an excuse, like it is something that you have to work from. And when the team that you started with was not a good team the year before, like you can't expect to be a perfect defense three games into the season. And I think Alex Grinch knew that when we talked to him after the game, he said like he refuses to believe this is the best the defense is going to play. Yeah. Like, I think he realizes like they're not playing up to their full potential right now. That being said, it's been three games now and they've been they've bent the whole time. They still haven't really broken yet so only 17 points allowed to what we all agreed was a good offensive team and everyone uh, I know one of the questions that I'm saving for later was saving for later was how many points would they have scored if Hayner wasn't knocked out the backup quarterback Fife came in and only had one incompletion yeah so like I mean I know the USC defense has been bending a lot I know that they're not going to be perfect they're not perfect yet but they're opportunistic and they're not allowing very many points which when you're scoring 40 plus points on offense it's going to be hard to beat that team if you're only putting up 17 points yeah, for sure. Uh, well, we kind of, de- I think we're going to get to, we'll try to get some questions and stuff, but I do want to talk about some of the news because it does affect, I mean, USC plays Arizona State in a couple weeks, uh, Herm Edwards. And if you if you listen to the podcast of Champions, watch us. We, we do a live show like this too. Um, I do a show with David Woods. We talk about the whole Pac-12. We've been harping, well, for years that Herm Edwards, you know, shouldn't be uh, the coach anymore. And David had a funny line. Is like, the best time to fire him was yesterday, but the second best time is right now. Or a month. He would say, like, the best time to fire Herm Edwards was months ago, but the second best time is right now. Like, is whatever it was. It could be a Monday. It could be a Saturday. He should not be the head coach anymore. He is not. Uh, they go out and lose to uh, a whack, I mean, a MAC team. Uh, a not very good MAC team uh, in Eastern Michigan. A whack Michigan. MAC team? It was a whack MAC team, yes. Uh, Eastern Michigan. Uh, knocked me out of our survival pool because, like, you know, I could have. That was bad. But uh, my picks against the spread... In Fuego, remember I was like coming up Millhouse nine and two against the spread. I'm three. I picked USC every time. I never usually pick USC to cover spreads. I've done it every time. They're three and zero against the spread. Pretty impressive. Uh, but yeah, so Herm Edwards is out at Arizona State. That's the weird situation where uh, Michael Crow is the president of Arizona State. He's the one that enabled Larry Scott, the former commissioner of the Pac-12, to be around as long as he was. He was his biggest champion. Talking about, you know, a few years ago, like, wait till when our deal comes up, you're going to see why this decision to, you know, do the Pac 12 network the way we did is going to make money and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, it was just everything he said was wrong. He hires Ray Anderson, sure. who's a former uh, NFL agent and was Herm Edwards' agent sure. to be the athletic director. And then they hire Herm Edwards. And it's just, it was just a disaster from the beginning. And right. it's funny. Ray Anderson had a press conference today saying that, like, was asked, do you regret hiring Herm Edwards? He says, no, uh, I regret, like, that we didn't win more. And I, I tweeted out an analogy like, you know, I regret throwing away all those parking tickets. I don't regret throwing away all those parking tickets, but I do regret my tar- my car getting towed. I'm, like, not saying that correctly. But, yes, so I don't regret the bad decisions I made early, but I regret the, the results that happened because of those bad decisions. The consequences decisions. of my actions. Yes. Like what, I mean, it just didn't make any sense. So uh, Herm is out. Uh, I thought Arizona State would be reeling. They had a good win against a kind of crappy team week one. They're now one and two. I think it's going to be similar to what happened with USC with less talent. They had a lot of guys leave already. And like coming into the season, they only had like a handful of scholarship linebackers only a handful of scholarship uh, wide receivers so i don't think it's going to be a really tough test you want to come to the coliseum and see a bloodbath watch the usc arizona state game i think it's going to be a- absolutely terrible um but yeah so herm edwards is out uh kind of the first domino to fall we might see carl Durrell gone soon from colorado they're the they might they're probably worse than arizona state but uh herm is gone any thoughts chris well 
what was the score of that game? Did they get blown out? I can see this. It one. was thirty to twenty one. Yeah, they thirty to twenty one. So it didn't. Wasn't it like they got dog walked? Well, they got. They, they gave up like eleven of fifteen third downs. They got. They they ran for like three hundred yards on them. But I was like, just thinking, was he going to get fired the first loss that they got, or is it just why this one? Well, they got. They lost last week to Oklahoma. Oh, they did. Oklahoma State. Oh, I yeah. thought they were two and zero. Oh. Never mind. No, no. Yeah, they were. They were one and one. Then never mind. And then never mind. And it's this just, was. You know, it's one of those teams like like last year. Like Arizona lost to FAU, which was an FCS school, but it wasn't like. North Dakota State, like the state, like a good FCS school. They lost to a bad one. I think Washington lost to Montana. I think they were a bad FCS school. So this was like a not highly ranked or not, you know not well thought of MAC school. Uh, you know, so you lose to like a bottom group of five school at home. I don't know, but you'd never not, want to see it. Not coming up Millhouse, as as you would say. I don't want to spend too much time on it because uh, this is a USC show. True, but, yeah. But you know, I, 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 everyone saw it coming. I was like, I'll be shocked if he makes it through this whole season. Um, it's going to be a disaster over there. You know, with the you know the expansion going on, they have sanctions coming. That's just going to be a very tough program to take over in a very tough spot. So I have to see what goes on at ASU. And like you said, it could be a bloodbath uh, in two weeks in the Coliseum. So I expect uh, a lot of fireworks. Uh, at that for USC. Yeah, if USC goes to you know Corvallis and, and ends up losing, they could get a get right game when they come yeah. back against uh, ASU. Any thoughts uh, on that one, Jack? Yeah, I'm just shocked that they actually fired him because I mean, Chris mentioned it was already gonna be a disaster. They've got sanctions coming, expansions coming. They already lost. They're one and two. Their season's pretty much over. If it wasn't over before week one. I'm just surprised they didn't let him out there to hang him out to dry. Like, let him be the scapegoat for the rest of oh, the yeah. season. Make him just take on the brute force of all the losses for the rest of the season and then part ways in the offseason. But I think, like, this is just such an inexcusable loss at home. Like, I, I just think that there was no way they couldn't fire him, especially uh, they don't want to lose the fan base at this point with the sanctions coming as well. But I, I was a little bit surprised because I, I, I thought it yesterday night. Like, I think ASU should probably fire her Edwards, but, like, I thought they were going to do it at the end of the season anyway. So yeah. what's the point of doing it right now? Um, but I'm, I'm, I can't say I'm shocked, but I don't really thought that they would wait to make the decision and just make him take on the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a really good point because sometimes you, you know, when uh, like USC fires Clay Helton, it was like early in the season. You're just like, all right, we got to roll the dice. But, you know, they had a Washington State game and that was the best win USC had all year. You know, Dante Williams goes on the road. This is what uh, the interim head coach, I forget who, who it was at Arizona State. Uh, they got Utah next um, that's not good then they go at USC and they play Washington L. who's scoring like a zillion points L. so you're going like LLL boom like no matter who was the head coach find me two um, wins find me two wins Colorado at Stanford do they have a bye week and go at Stanford and I think Stanford could be kind of bad at Colorado could be a uh, win. outside of that they got to go at Arizona Arizona looks a lot better they get a they got a big win against North Dakota State so yeah this uh not 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 a good uh not a good thing for uh, our buddy Herm, but you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where this go, where they go from here. But uh, yeah, I think the reason they had to fire him now is probably because it's already a season too late. Like I think that's why SC jumped on firing Clay Helton after week two is because they knew that they couldn't keep him on staff for the fan base, which I think means that they should have fired him the year before. And I think same thing with Herm Edwards; he probably should have been gone this off season. And they brought him back this season, and then it's just such an inexcusable loss, especially at home. Yeah, you can't do that. It's it's bad decisions you made before. Why did you keep him? Why did you hire him? Why did you extend him? All those things, and then it just you know, those bad decisions 
they sit on your desk and you're like, oh, okay, well, now I got to deal with this. This is bad. All right. Let's Back move to on. the Trojans. Yeah, let's go. I can uh, feel the people yelling at us through the uh, the comments. Do you want to? Do we have any calls? Do you want to do questions? We've got one call, but before we get to the calls, oh, yeah. we, we talked a lot about the offense without mentioning what I thought was the key part of the offense oh, yesterday. Okay. That was the running game. Two running backs over 100 yards. The wide receivers, quarterbacks were the story of the first two games, and this time it's the offensive line. I thought the tight ends did a great job blocking, and both Travis Dye and Austin Jones go over a hundo. They each have a touchdown on the ground. I think that's something that we kind of failed to mention when talking about the offense because that really sprung the Trojans in the second half after the offense faltered to end the first half. I mentioned that already, Jack. That's okay, but we well, was but just like briefly a full-fledged discussion. You're, no, you're exactly right. Um, it was cool to see a lot of. There was at least one drive where they went almost exclusively two tight ends, so that was a little twelve personnel instead of what they, you know, they would do like a lot of four wideouts and stuff. So they had they'd have one of the running backs in there, and then they'd have two tight ends. They'd have both uh, Lake McCree and uh, Malcolm Epps in there to see Travis die not be denied on that touchdown run where oh, man. It, it looked like everybody on the, the Fresno State defense touched him. He went through him. Uh, Malcolm Epps, I think he got a block early and then got a block inside the five-yard line, which you don't want to have that great run and get tackled at the one or the two. That got him into the end zone. Pretty cool. And then Austin Jones gets his helmet ripped off as he runs in for the touchdown. It doesn't even flinch. Just like it has no helmet. You're like, that can't count. And uh, – you're like, that's a terrible penalty, right? Like, the defense rips your helmet off, and you only get penalized, like, half the distance to the goal from the five or something. Like, it's a two-and-a-half-yard penalty. Like, that's not good. They give him right, the ball back, and he busts in there. So, they each were averaging over nine yards a carry. It's ridiculous to say yeah. out loud. Ridiculous. Uh, Even Darren Barlow was over eight yards, and he only got a couple carries, but yeah. still. He had, like, two carries for 17 yards. Caleb Williams, you know, his he had three sacks, so the numbers aren't going to be great. But, uh, you know, he had two touchdown runs himself. Uh, a couple fourth down conversions. So I thought they were really effective running the ball. And if you're going to argue, you know, you want to nitpick, you're like, could have ran the ball more, you know, they probably could have There were a couple of shoestring tackles that didn't get a couple holes that didn't get, you know, popped. So there was, I felt like there was some meat on the bone, but in the second half, you know, they really took it to that, that Fresno State defense that seemed to be uh, employing them to run against them in that second quarter when they were having trouble, you know, you know, getting the ball down the field with the, with the passing game, they were kind of saying, hey, run it on us. And the second half, they were like, all right, we'll run it on us. And then <laughs> you, you saw the results. Yeah, there's like, you know, we, we saw people, um, you know, after like Graham Harrell early on, I think BYU started it, like dropping like a lot of guys in the coverage. And I, we've had a lot of like, man, there's Oklahoma people won't like, like let stuff go. I have to block people on Twitter. And they're like, drop eight, see? And then, like, oh, well, you run the ball. You got... You know, it's funny, like, see, we told you guys. I'm like, it's 45-17, and they ran the ball. Like, I don't know what, what – you told us what? Like, they, they played a good team that's, like, one of the best, you know, group of five teams, of five, and yeah. you pasted them. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. They ran the ball. It's like, okay, Caleb Williams had an like, off night, so they had two running backs go for over 100 yards. Like, I – yeah, but good point, Jack. That was uh, – it was good to see the run game uh, moving like that. Great it, point, Jack. Yeah, it gets <laughs> it gets people excited. The running the, – the offensive line gets excited. Uh, obviously, the running backs, the tight ends. I asked Malcolm Epps about it. It's just like, yeah, when they're blocking, when they get to you know, power in, they love that kind of stuff. Yeah, all right. Well, let's go to – we've got one live caller in the queue, so we'll let him on. Hi, you're on Tunnel Vision. Hi, it's from Minnesota, and uh, I have two questions, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, first question is, besides Oregon's run game, is Chance Nolan a big threat through the air? And for Oregon State's defense, uh, where is their biggest weakness that we can exploit? 
So we're doing like preview already. We're all getting into the next there, week. You know, last year fans were like, "Oh, we got another game. I don't want to do it." Now they're like, "We're ready for the next game. They're yeah. ready for the next Saturday. They're ready for the next win." So that's a good sign, right, Ryan? No, I think that's good. Um, what you saw Nolan last year? Remember against USC? Everyone thought he was going to be like this amazing quarterback because he went like fifteen of eighteen against USC. It was super efficient. They just ran the ball down your throat. He's played a lot better because they had a they had a quarterback um, competition, Ben Gulbertson, and then they uh, Tristan Jebbia, who was you know, started before, and Nolan beat them all out. And so I think he's if I've I've watched him a few games, he's looked really good to me. They played Montana State this last week, uh, but put up a lot of points. Uh, but they can run the ball, you know, down your throat, and then he's you know he's been really effective in the passing game. And I'm not sure about the weakness of the defensive side of the ball. I watched them, especially in like that Fresno state game. I thought they were, you know, Fresno state was moving the ball and Hayner was like throwing dimes, but they were really feisty. Like they were around the ball where before they were just kind of getting blown off the ball. They just weren't. So they fired their defensive coordinator. They did an internal hire Bray. I think it was that they end up hiring as defensive coordinator. Uh, but they look like they're playing um, hard, you know, on the defensive so side of the like ball. Like similar to USC's. It's going to be two effort, defenses it seems like an effort kind of defense but you know you're gonna you're gonna be able to i think usc is gonna move the ball uh on oregon state the problem is like you know if you don't get that early lead you can do what you did to stanford you get the early you score your first three times you get the early lead and you sort of like make nolan Throw. beat you with his arm as opposed to we can run the ball right at you and that's usc has been vulnerable to that so yeah what you don't want to do is get into a situation where oregon state is in a position where they can run the ball and take away possessions from Caleb Williams and that dynamic offense and kind of just bleed the clock and run down, uh, pound it down the field and get in the end zone and uh, things like that and not have Nolan kind of put the ball in the air where, you know, this defense has, you know, gotten some tips, gotten some interceptions. They can keep it in the, the hands of the running backs and kind of run it down the field behind that big offensive line. That evens the, the, the field a little bit, you know, keeping the ball out of Caleb Williams' hands. So you don't want that to go. You want known to throw i think he's a good he's a good passer i yeah. wouldn't say he's like a bona fide gunslinger but he can drop some dimes so i but i think you would be more better chance uh in this game if nolan has ended up having to drop back and throw a lot more than they're having to hand the ball off and kind of slow that clock down yeah he's one of those guys that looked better from from you know he looked great against usc if you remember last year like Stanford's great because they beat the well, crap out of USC. And, they were bad. and everyone, like, yeah, everyone looked really good at USC, especially in the Coliseum. And Nolan was pretty, like, at the end, like, in the second half of the season, you're like, just run the ball, Oregon State. Why are you even trying to throw? Um, he looked really good against USC, so we'll see. But he's 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 improved a lot from what I've seen this year. And correct me if I'm wrong, his biggest two weapons against USC last year were the two tight ends, right? And I, they're not. No, Musgrave. Luke Musgrave is still there. He's, okay. yeah, he's, but he's uh, hurt. Uh, he might be out he for the game. Bit, so yeah. he's probably going to. I think he missed the Montana State game, and he might be out for this one. So he was one of the represent, representatives of Pac-12 Media Day. You love to bring that up. Oh, just you, saying. you asked him a question. He's a stud. You love. I did. I think I think Nolan would be much more effective. I mean, with the tight ends, I think that's where he's more comfortable. And also, uh, if we're going to pinpoint one area of the USC's pass defense, I think is the weakest. It might be throwing to tight ends over the middle of the field. I think Stanford was able to capitalize using the tight end position a lot. So I, I think that for USC, it's maybe a little bit better if Nolan does not have those weapons to throw to. Yeah, we'll see. Well, let's go to some questions, Ryan. This one's the first one directed just at you. Okay. Do you want to update your nine and three? USC preseason record. Yeah, I would like that. Um, this is I official, would, right? This holds. This, this is official. Hold, well, this I mean, I can't. Edit? Everything. So when I make the predictions, um, 
you know, you're locked in. Like myself. But like if I would say, could if you said you could revise it. It's a hindsight. Yeah. I wish I could change it. I think, I mean, I still think this team can have, like what Chris was talking about, could have like a bad game where, you know, like especially at Utah, because I think when you have a mobile quarterback, if they're going to be running at you, I think they could keep pace for a while. And if you don't score every time like they've been doing, then yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a, you could lose a shootout there. Um, Oregon State could be one of them too. You know, we're not going to overhype, but I mean, this is a team that could run right at you and and give USC problems. So yeah, I would probably looking back like at this three and O team. I thought they'd be three and O, but uh, I feel more confident that they're not going to like lose a clunker to like a Notre Dame, which I thought they would. Like Notre Dame doesn't look as good. I don't think USC is going to lose to Notre Dame. Uh, and one more quick thing I forgot to mention on the Arizona State thing, the early season prediction. <laughs> one of my best parts. You do the over-under. like So over-under for USC was like nine and a half from a lot of places. So I would have yeah. took the under. I would, you know, I think I would have been wrong. I think it's going to be the over. You could have got early in the season, before the season started, six and a half wins for Arizona State. I like bet the under like right away. Boom. Just done. I mean, that, yeah, it's like that's that's over. Like that, Millhouse. <laughs> yeah, coming up Millhouse there. That was easy money. Um, but yeah, I don't know why. Because Arizona State won eight games last year. Like, oh, six and a half. Like, no, this is going to be a disaster. So, but yeah, I would, I would have, uh, I think I would have, t if it's nine and a half, I would have taken the under and now I'd probably regret that because I think they'll hit the over. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. All right, Chris, we'll direct this one at you. He's oh, uh, no. Steven Singer on YouTube says, Gentry has really shown up. Can he keep it up? This is one of the players you've had stock in for a long time since he came to USC. What have you thought of his performance so far? And do you think he can keep it up? He's a playmaker. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, six foot six middle linebacker. He let the hair out this week, so he got a got an extra inch. It in was glorious. Says, it was glorious. Yeah. So yeah, he's like six nine. I mean, he might be six ten with the hair. Yeah. I, it was I, like four inches above his head. It, it's a lot there, and you know, he he talked about kind of maybe how he sneaks up. You know, maybe his length is sort of sneaking up on quarterbacks. They don't really expect it out there, or they forget, or I don't know, because he got, he got that up there. But I think one aspect that I don't think we talk about a lot is his sort of leadership. You know, everyone kind of talks about, obviously, about Shane Lee and what he did in the offseason. And obviously, Gentry came in in the summer, didn't have uh, a lot as, as much time as Shane did have getting with these guys. But, you know, there are times where I look on the sideline and it's Eric Gentry, you know, after that, I believe it was the second touchdown they gave up. Uh, Gentry went up to everybody. He's like, we got this. We got this. He went up to every position group and, you know, dapped everyone up, made it a point to, to dap Kalen Bullock up, who, who had got burned on that missed touch, that yeah. missed tackle. So he, he went a point to get everyone to, you know, we got this. We'll be all right. You know, keep staying the course and, you know, pick up a teammate that just had a bad play. So that's 
some of the things that I've been seeing, you know, kind of off the field on the sideline as I've been on the sideline this year, uh, just kind of his leadership. And, you know, he was talking about how with the second unit, he told them like, you know, championship teams finish and doesn't matter that the game is in hand for the Trojans. And this is quote unquote, a meaningless drive. 24 points and 17 points. There's a big difference for that. Not just like statistically, but also like in the minds of these guys, you know, and playing the importance of going out there and giving effort in a, in a, in a meaningless drive, quote unquote, and, you know, playing for pride and, and showing what they can do and to grow from that. So I think he's shown a lot of leadership as well as kind of that talent that he's been displaying at that middle linebacker spot uh, for this defense. And can't wait to see what he does, you know, as he gets more and more comfortable with this defense and more and more comfortable playing in this scheme. It's crazy because, like, we talked to Solomon Bird last night. You know, he was one of the guys that uh, that Lincoln Riley brought up to the podium, and he wasn't even getting reps, you know, and they talk about that. And then he gets, you know, he works his way up. Romello Height gets hurt. He gets two sacks, you know, three sacks in the last two games. And he said it was tough. You know, I was a guy at my – I was a man at Wyoming, and now I wasn't. And now he is again. A guy like Eric Gentry comes in. Yeah, he was a freshman All-American, but, like – he, he was a man. Skinny. Yeah, he was a man when he got here. Yeah, so. it, it's like he was he was a man, but like you just felt like oh he'll be like you know he'll work his way in he'll get he'll by next year he'll be bigger and and I think his mom was tweeting out like uh, no he's working you with gotta, the ones. Uh, you had to do a shout out to his mom. She's yeah because you met her. Yeah, Mrs. Gentry. Yeah, she was uh, it was really cool to she was just came up and said hello and I'm like I didn't know who she was so it was kind of cool. Uh, but to assume that role right away like a guy like Caleb Williams did that but he was there early and like. Eric Tetra came in a lot later, and the fact that he, you know, it's just one of those things where you, people, you know, you have that Pied Piper thing. People kind of gravitate towards you or whatever it is. He's got that factor that he, people will follow him. He's a good player. He, you know, maybe didn't think he was going to be the starter, but he is. And it's just, it was kind of amazing how he just kind of fell into that, not fell into it, but just sort of like fit himself right into that role. And it seemed like he expected that from the beginning. Like it, there was no like, oh, I can't believe I'm here and I'm starting. It was just like when he came, it was like, yeah, I'm going to come and start. Yeah, like I'm going to start. Like what are you talking about? And I wanted to ask him about like, what do you think about that train wreck going over there in Tempe oh, where no. he usually came from? But uh, you know. He's not going to say anything. No, I mean, he's obviously he's got a lot of friends on the team still and everything, but um, they just had so many people transfer out. So he's, you know, he's not, he's not the only one that uh, left. Save, save that for two weeks when he's, when we're, when we're talking about the Sun Devils. Right. Yeah. Austin Jones had a lot of fun playing against his old team. Not that there was like animosity. I don't think there's animosity with, but you could tell like. Just want a fresh start. That's what he said. You need a fresh start. Yeah. I think it's always cool to play against your former team. But I, I think something that Alex Grinch said to me about Solomon Bird also applies to Eric Gentry, where he said, you know, Solomon's doing a great job just doing one eleventh of what the defense needs. Like he's just doing his one job. And when he fills his gap or he does whatever his job is, the rest of the defense is going to follow. Not only does Gentry do that, he's also a leader like off the field. So now if Solomon Bird does his one eleventh, Gentry does his one eleventh, like now you're two elevenths of the way there. We know what Tuli Tui Pelotu is going to be. We've seen what Shane Lee can be. Max Williams did his one eleventh against Stanford. Like I think the defense is slowly piecing itself together. And if you do your one eleventh and you're also a leader, like we've mentioned about Gentry, like you're just being a very valuable asset and exactly what this defensive coaching staff is looking for. And when you get further into the season, the team has had some games to gel and continue to improve, like you might have eight elevenths of your defense figured out. And I think Gentry is going to be in the middle of that, not only this year, but next year as well. So I think he's done a great job being a leader, but he also is carving himself out a role on the football field. Yeah. And it's not just, okay, now you've contributed your one eleventh, but like if we're talking about like, if Chris is like, man, Ryan's not saying making sense tonight, I got to do like, I got to make sure I'm saying more of it. So 
we're doing thirds here. If he's like, I got to do my third, but I also got to do like half of his third. Like then you're, then you're kind of screwing up what you're doing. If, if you know, you can just, all I got to do is my stuff. I'm not worried about the guy next to me. I don't have to do his too. It can make a big deal. So. You haven't dropped one food analogy. I have to pick up that 11th. We, that, I, I have to pick up that more third. war analogies than food I, analogies. Right. World War II analogies. I, I got all kinds of World War II books over I'm, there. I'm texting Jack. He's, he's going off on these weird analogies. <laughs> Stick to the food. Do your job. Do your job. Do your job. I think it's like there. you have a sandwich and there's like 11 ingredients in there and Gentry has been you Look, know, he's picking up your slack. Ingredient so far. Um, but no, I think you're right too. And something we've mentioned about Gentry the whole time is like he has just this innate ability with his size and his unique profile to make splash plays. But Roy Manning, when when we would talk about the linebackers, said that like all he has to do is learn to make the plays in structure. Like he can make the splash plays, but he needs to learn to make every single like the one, two, three play, all of those plays in a row, the play after the splash play, like all those the common plays. And he's been doing that so far for the Trojans. So, like, he's doing his 111th, and we already know he has the innate ability to, to make those just crazy plays like we saw on the third down pass breakup in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys that are new that you're like, where would this team be without him? You know, even, like, Caleb Williams, like, as amazing as he is, he got a lot of great receivers. Without, like, Jordan Addison, like, it just wouldn't be as good, you know. Without Shane Lee, certainly the defense wouldn't be as good. Without... Solomon Bird, holy cow, the defense wouldn't be as good. Without Eric Gentry, the defense wouldn't be as good. I mean, there's just a lot of guys, and there's guys that are on the team too, like a Thule or a Max Williams, like that are big contributors, you know, Kalen Bullock, guys like that. But there's just so many pieces. Like you needed, you you need, like, and I know Lincoln Riley would have liked to got a few more. Um, you know, maybe you want to get another offensive lineman, whatever. I mean, another defensive lineman, but um, there's just so many guys that are critical to the success of the team, you know, they're doing their one eleventh. that if you didn't get them in the off season in this transfer portal Palooza, like, I don't know, you know, the, they might not be undefeated right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, the next question, maybe a little bit more lighthearted who on the equipment management team is in charge of giving the players cups. We saw Travis die go down with a, a very unfortunate injury. Chris had me rush over to the sideline to see what was happening. Didn't go into the injury tent at all. It looked like he was perfectly fine. Both of us just looked down at Twitter and we've got some, hilarious notifications um but he came back had that grown man run like right after that so i think uh it definitely shows travis's touchdown i don't know if either the, you guys wanted to talk about that the groin the cup time out we're going to cup talk cup talk cup talk the cup is very uncomfortable it is no, it's not like especially yeah. when you're trying back. to run it's like in there do they even wear them anymore like no uh, well travis die doesn't oh, okay <laughs> i don't you did you wear it when we play baseball uh, I did back in the day, yeah. Back in the day. Unless you're playing, catcher, but I was, I'm old, so I don't know if they do them anymore. Like, probably not, right? Like, no, unless only catchers. Okay, and at major league level, I doubt any do. Yeah, it just was one of those things. It's like a, an antiquated uh, pad. It's just very thing. uncomfortable, uh, and I can but see you running back. You're running. It's just no. I, I'm going to run much better without it. I'll take the risk. He the it, the risk burned him on that play, but. <laughs> He was fine uh, in the second half. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He had that grown man strength on that run. Uh, the next question, this is something that I definitely noticed throughout the game. It's come from Jasper on YouTube. Do you think that Caleb is holding on to the ball too long? And I think this is the first time we've really seen him make some of those mistakes that I think with time he'll grow out of. But I think he was holding on to a little bit too long to the ball at the end of the first half. I don't know if you guys agree. I, they're, okay, you no, no. they're having so much success that if you feel like sometimes you want to win a certain way, and Caleb Williams talked about like, I didn't want to take off and run as much. But, you know, what I loved about the Rice game was you didn't look like you were trying to run. It just 
wow, that's wide open. I'll just pick up 15 yards, you know? And I feel like if you're trying to do things a certain way, because I want to show people I can throw or whatever, and then you can kind of get yourself in trouble. Correction a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it felt like. It was like he's emphasizing not taking off, but in doing that, sometimes you miss the time where it's like, okay, now you should take off. Right. It's like if you told me, like, hey, Chris, you need to stop using your hands so much on instant, and then I just do this. And, and then you look, look like a yeah. And you look yeah. Like I overcorrect. You know, sometimes you use some hands. Sometimes you just chill. Yeah. Still got to find that balance and not be this or not be this. You got to find the the balance. And I think he's still trying to find the balance between those two things. Yeah, it's funny. I tangent. I love tangents. Back in the day, in my engineering days, uh, when I was uh, so I was an application engineer. So I had to do presentations, and not a lot of engineers were able to do that. And that's part of the reason, like I. I like doing what I'm doing now because I like getting in front of people talking and everything. And we took like a public speaking class. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the things where they would film you when you're up on the stage and you feel like you're doing this and you're like, you feel like you're making these grand gestures. When they film you and you do this, you're like, this seems crazy. And then you look at it like, it didn't look crazy at all. You know, it looks like you're, you're walking around talking to people and it doesn't look nutty. So yeah. So go ahead. This Use is, your hands. This is the Ryan. The Ryan. Use your hands. This is the Ryan. I'm not Italian. I'm part Italian. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the Ryan thing. The, the classic Ryan is where this open, this done. Oh, really? I do that? Yeah. This. Well, not that is smooth. Whatever. You'll see it. Just watch for it. Just watch right. for it. I mean, now he's in his head. Now he's not going to do it. <laughs> now he's not going to do it. Give us another question. All right. We got a question coming from Larry on Facebook. How was the atmosphere at the Coliseum? Do you think that the players fed off of it? And can it be an advantage for USC in the future? What was your perspective? We'll give from ours up, from the field. From, yeah, from up there, I thought it was good. You know, like I think there were some early third downs that the fans got into uh, when they switched fields. I think after the first quarter, then uh, and and I think Fresno State was held to a field goal. Then there was like in the open, you know, the the more the close there, you know, where there's actual fans around. I thought that was kind of loud. You know, it was still I think sixty seven thousand and change announced, but it, there wasn't that many people there. Uh, you know, there was. Definitely some holes. It was a late night game. I mean, there's all there's all kinds of reasons not to. Um, if you don't, you know, if Fresno State would have, you know, beat Oregon State the week before, maybe more people show up. But uh, yeah, I thought the atmosphere was good. I I thought it could have been a little better, and I'm sure it, it will. But um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. What did you guys think? Definitely could have been obviously more people. I thought there would be a little more people, but for the people that did show up, it was pretty loud. It was pretty jumping. I mean, I had a tweet really early in the first quarter about. Oh, it's loud, loud down here at the Coliseum. Yeah, I, I, we could barely hear one another. And the lights out, you know, thing with uh, that was uh, pretty cool. Lofa coming out, you know, he was getting them hyped in the uh, in the tunnel. Uh, it was electric down there. It was really popping and really exciting uh, to see everyone going crazy. Uh, everyone was taking with their phones and they yeah. looked on their face like, wow, that was awesome. You know, with the fire and the fireworks, it, it was really cool. I mean, you wish more people were there, but they still had a really good, uh, I think, a really good turnout. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty fun down there in terms of getting to the full experience of being on the field and seeing that environment. Lofa can get people fired up, man. I've been at like golf tournaments with him, like Darnell Bing's golf tournament last year. And you know, he was, he was, he's a hype guy. He was lit. Yeah. Him, he got in with Sean Cody. It was a lot of fun. So he's, I think that was perfect for him to kind of run out of the tunnel. And he's, uh, he's yoked. There you go. Yeah. Bet. He is pretty big. I don't know if it was just because it was my first game, like doing work from the field, but it definitely felt louder than some most other games that I've been to at the Coliseum, especially the boos. Like I, I was not expecting as many boos when Fresno State ran out, then they ran back in, then they ran back out again. Like, there was a, a lot of boos. Um the Fres- <laughs> That's just what they do. Yeah. yeah. And of course there were there were a good chunk of Fresno State fans there. They travel really well, but 
they were pretty they were quieted by the USC crowd. I thought early um, didn't get a chance to ask Eric Gentry in, in the post game interview about like what the crowd was like for him, considering he's a leader, but also his first night game at the Coliseum. But I think for for it being a seven thirty game, it, it was a pretty good turnout, and I, it was the Coliseum was definitely on USC's side more than I think we could say we've seen in the past. Do you want to take a second to uh, uh, call out people for the beach balls? Oh yeah, it's not Dodger Stadium. <laughs> Jack did not like the beach balls. I don't like no. the, I don't like the beach balls at Dodger Stadium. I'm a Giants fan, but like so I'm biased. Oh, no. But oh no, why did you say that? no beach balls? I, wore, I, I wore, definitely no wave. I mean, that was when I was a student. They were like, if someone's trying to start the wave, you're like, do not do the wave. I don't we do don't the wave do anywhere. I think the wave is, is kind of dumb. But like, <laughs> it's not Dodger Stadium. It's the Coliseum. So let's keep the beach balls at home. Yeah. What was your first experience like though on the field, like covering a game like that? Did you enjoy it? Like what was it was your... it was really cool. I told Chris it's hard it's very hard to watch a game from yes. the field, especially where we were at on the end zone, because you have zero depth perception. So anytime a player would be like in a hole created either on the outside or, or the offensive line, you just think it's gonna be a touchdown. But like you don't understand how close the defenders are. Because <laughs> all you see is green grass in front of them, but then you're watching uh, through a screen. You're uh, what? Yeah. First of all, when I'm filming the, when I was filming USC defense, like, and watching through a screen. But even on offense, like, it's just very hard, especially when they're coming right at you, to to diagnose what's actually going to happen. Because you look and it's like, oh, that that could be a touchdown. And in reality, it's just like a random eight yard run. Yeah. But it, it was really cool. Or it could um, be a tackle for a loss, and you think, uh, yeah. oh, they picked up six yards. Like, nope, minus two. Like, you can't really tell sometimes. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> you, you definitely like. You don't see as much of the crowd because uh, the lights kind of dim the crowd there in the shadows, uh, and so you're very focused on the field. But it was really cool. The lights out intro was was pretty awesome. Chris and I were in the USC end zone, like right near where it was happening, close enough that like the fire was pretty warm on our faces, and it, it was it was really cool. I thought the crowd um, was definitely behind USC more than I've seen in the, the other two games so far this season, and it, it was definitely a cool experience to be on the field. Yeah. Okay, we've got. Another question okay. is from Andrew on YouTube. Is Travis Dye the MVP of the first three games? Now, I would say no, but I thought we could spin this into a different way with through the first three games, who's your offensive MVP and who's your defensive MVP? I mean, that's tough. Travis Dye is very important, but I wouldn't give him the MVP. Uh, he's got 200 yard games in a row. Oh, are we? But it, Caleb? I think you got to go Caleb Williams. I, I'm going Caleb on offense. Yeah. Uh, it's hard not to. I mean, like Addison's had five touchdowns. I would put know. Addison second, and then probably die. Maybe die. Yeah, I think you, you could talk me into die there. But I feel like if it was one of those things, if you ever watched um, Big Bang Theory, which is kind of ruined it. Like I love the Indiana Jones movies, but Indiana Jones, uh, you know the you know Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, one of the characters in there, they she's watching it for the first time, and she goes, "You do understand that the main character is inconsequential. Like if you just removed Indiana Jones, the exact same thing would have happened." And the 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 nerds were so mad. They're like, you ruined the movie for us. Like, <laughs> Travis Dye is really important, but if you removed him, I think the same thing is going to happen. Because Austin you know? Jones is there. Austin Jones is there. But I think Caleb Williams is the guy you can't remove mm. and get the same result. So he would be my MVP. And for defense, it feels like someone different like yeah. steps up every time. I mean, Thule, I think, is up there. Uh, Solomon Bird has really emerged. I wouldn't say maybe he's the MVP, but these last two games, he's played really, really well. Makai Blackman has been a stud, he you know, kind of. Yeah. So it just feels like it's an amalgamation of, like, people. If, if you just had gun to my head, I'm probably picking Thule just because six tackles for a loss, you know, probably leading the Pac-12 in sacks right now. I have to go back and check. But, uh, yeah, I'd have to look. I mean, Thule would be there. I mean, maybe a Max Williams. Like, he's, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the forced fumble inside the 
the I mean that was like as far as like turnovers like they've had a bunch of turnovers like that was a turnover that was a I did that you know um but yeah probably probably have to go with Thule. I can go Thule, maybe Solomon Bird and Makai Blackman are somewhere second and third I mean Solomon Bird only got five snaps against Rice but he's been just so instrumental the last two games that I think he's got to be somewhere on that list. You know what's funny? So Bird comes up there, uh, and if you guys were watching the press conference, and they're like, I forget what the, the question was like. You know, he was asked like how many snaps, or, or I think Lincoln Riley said, how many yeah. snap, snaps did you play? Five. He goes five. Like he knew exactly yeah. how many snaps he got. It's like how yeah. many, it's like Amon Ra knowing how many receivers were taken ahead of him Yeah. in the uh, NFL draft. Shout out to Amon Ross and Brown. A couple and touchdowns. Talano Hufunga balling out. And yeah. Drake London. First touchdown today, just a little and, bit over SoFi Stadium. Yeah, and he got a two-point conversion too. And he was there Saturday night. So, so was Desmond Ritter. Blinged yeah. out. Did a lot the, of bling. That's the, that's not, the first not round. Not Drake. Uh, Desmond Ritter. He had a, oh, okay. he had a chain on. And <laughs> it was, it was like... dancing under the lights. <laughs> he was like, I'm here to stunt on y'all. <laughs> y'all broke, broke, broke fools. Yeah. I should not have mentioned that I'm a Giants fan. Or I told you, like I told you, you were you were such a fan favorite, and now you're just getting an immense amount of crap. I, you should not have let that slip. Why did I you wore let a Giants fan the first? Ep- I wore a Giants shirt the first episode. You I couldn't came see and it. The podcast. You couldn't see it though. You know what? I, I saw like, it. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stand down. Like the Giants suck this year. You can't I tell whatever. You can't tell what you're wearing. It's just your head. Yeah. That's totally okay. Well, everyone can forget it then. I'm still a Giants fan. You don't have to think of me as such. But is there anything else that you guys want to want to talk about? I think that was most of the questions that I wrecked up. There's one call in the queue. All right. Nice. We'll yeah, we can do a call, and we, we can keep this a tight show. I don't mind. Like, it's it's good to uh, – you know, we, we had a whole bunch of people watching live, so thank you for everyone that was doing that. If you're not a member of uscfootball.com, make sure you jump in there. You can do it for a buck or 30% off you want to do an annual membership. I mean, we are putting an absolute ton of content up there. People that are longtime readers are just like, I can't keep up. There's just so many things going on. We're doing so many shows, uh, you know, multiple shows a day, lots of ways where you can consume uh, USC football content. The team's been great. Jack's been doing an amazing job, not just on these shows. It's an analysis, helping out with all the video stuff. We got Austin and, and Trevor doing a bunch of stories for us, RJ. Shotgun, of course, from the East Coast coming back and forth. Chris just killing it all the time. And, you know, me trying to do my little thing. So it's been it's, it's good. We have a great team. It's a lot of fun. And I uh, hope you guys are enjoying all the content. But make sure you check out uscfootball.com. That's why we do all this. Yeah, okay. Let's let in this one caller. Hi, you're on Tunnel Vision. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Um, this is Eddie from Orange, not Alec Baldwin. Okay. Um, it's a solo guy. Um, I was thinking about, <laughs> I was thinking about um, uh, the defense and how well it does in the red zone. And I, I, I got to think that a big part of it is uh, the angry giraffe we got playing middle linebacker. Um, you know, the, the, the dump off to the tight end, the tight end sneak, the tight end running or the uh, wide receivers running across the back of the end zone. When you have, you know, seven feet uh, of destruction roaming the back, it forces quarterbacks to roll out more, forces them to play the edges. And uh, when it comes to the passing game, and I, and I think it's underestimated how Gentry just standing there with his arms up just ruins quarterbacks' vision of what to do in the end zone. And I think that's a huge part of why um, they're able to get stops there, um, why the line's able to hit the gaps and get there a little quicker, because quarterbacks aren't, just aren't ready for just to have, you know, that giraffe running around kicking people in the head. So... Uh, I don't know what your thoughts about that. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, it's Thanks. like, do you ever take an art class? 
no. the perspective, like, mm. you know, when you're doing like, so the way you're drawing, like the, your perspective changes as you get closer to the end zone, he gets taller and wider and that seven foot one wingspan, like it's, it's a whole different thing. You're blocking out more of the sun, you know, blocking out more of the, of the end zone from that. So, yeah, I think as things get tighter, that length of his becomes even more important. Yeah, because you because you move into the red zone, you know it's not a gimme that you're going to score because it is harder because everyone is condensed in a much smaller area. It's more packed. Your your throws have to be a little bit tighter. Your blocks need to be a little bit uh, cleaner in, in such a small area. And when you got a guy who's six foot six, maybe six <laughs> foot, uh, maybe seven foot with the hair out there, seven foot four wingspan, just taking up the middle of that field, you know, as your quarterback, you're like. I don't want any part of this. I, it's just a tough window to fit. Let me roll out. Let me. It's going to screw up a play. So when everything gets tighter and you got a big guy in the middle, it does uh, definitely affect what you're looking at. And like he said, his his length is sort of like I think he I think he said his length kind of sneaks up on quarterbacks. So and obviously quarterbacks are not used to seeing a six foot six middle yeah. linebacker all the time. So it's just something that. You know, their brain hasn't processed with all those reps that they've taken in high school and college. So it's just something new that kind of throws them off just a little bit. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. I think seven feet of disruption would be on Eric Gentry's movie poster. I think that's the caption <laughs> yeah. under underneath the movie. Um, yeah, he's – like we've mentioned this whole time, he's so unique. And this is what you're going to get. Sometimes in the run game, you know, taller linebackers like that might have trouble fitting gaps. But, like, he also is so unique that he's going to do something that you're not going to see any other linebacker do in the country because he's got a wingspan longer than LeBron James. Like, that third down – you can go to our defensive highlights that are going to come out either today or tomorrow. Like the the pass breakup he had on third down, like no other linebacker is making that play, and and just hit him able to just flick his arm out there and tap the ball down. It's just it's just crazy. Yeah, that length is it's sneaky. And if you're used to you know when you're a quarterback and you're pointing out the mic, mics are different. You know numbers, but. There's different characteristics to some guys. Some guys are sideline to sideline guys, and you know they can they get there faster. But I think just picturing that, like, oh, I, I can get this around him or over him, because you normally can't, but not with Eric Gentry, because <laughs> he yeah. can. He's got this little extra range. It's like it's a good, you know, it's a Drake London. Your catch radius is bigger. Like his his pass defense radius radius is bigger. Have you you've done the opening right? You know those yeah, drills yeah. in the combine where they have the guy holding the thing. Oh yeah. It's like who is that tall? Well, Eric Gentry's that tall. That's who that does that that's who that where they have the thing and it's like seven feet. It's like, why are they doing this drill? No one's that tall. Oh, Eric Gentry's that tall. They knew. They knew he was coming. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all all the other questions. There is one question, Chris, about what stickers are on your water bottle. If you wanted to break that down before we oh. kind of get us to the, the one hour oh, mark, finish it up. Uh I have uh what do I got? Prince George's PG PG County versus everybody. I have. Uh, I watched that show. Uh, I think you should leave. I don't know if anyone. Tim Robinson. No, I haven't seen it. No. Yeah, it's on Netflix. I have a bunch of those. Uh, I have some uh, EDC stickers. I have a rock climbing gym sticker. This one says you can't skip lunch. It's a hot dog. More. It's just a skit. Uh, it's a sketch show I like, and then just a little cool dog here. So nice. I just add stuff all the time to it. Well, there you go. I appreciate it, and I has and no one's like mentioned that I'm wearing a Maryland. Oh, shirt. people yeah. in the comments have been mentioning it. Oh you know? no, no, yeah, it's all bad. He's a grad. They're, they were saying that you shouldn't wear that when when USC moves to the Big Ten. Well, they're not in the Big Ten, so yeah. And Maryland got a big win. Who they uh, play over SMU? Oh, SMU fourth yeah. quarter yeah. win. So yeah, potential Pac-12. Pac-12 uh, could be. A I'm Pac getting I'm team. getting it in now until you know that 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 move officially. Right. 
Ryan doesn't care. I don't care. Whatever. Um, all right. Well, great stuff. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in uh, to Tunnel Vision. We're going to do a preview show again this week on Thursday. Probably the same lineup as we had last week. We'll have Jack and RJ in the studio. I'll be watching from afar. It was fun to watch uh, the show. And uh, Shotgun joining from the East Coast. Uh, Shotgun, Chris, and I will all be up in Corvallis, Oregon. Flying into Portland and we're going to go check out uh, the Beavs. You know, it's going to be half of Research Stadium because they're renovating. So you guys are going to be on the field. I'm going to be in this makeshift press box somewhere. I don't know how it's going to work, so we'll see that. But You'll, you'll figure it out. Yeah, so the preview show um, and we'll a bunch of preview stuff will be going up on the site at uscfootball.com. I talked to like a writer from that covers Oregon State for the Know Your Foe segment and we'll do extensive previews and all that kind of stuff. But our Thursday show live at 7 p.m., uh, on Thursday night, we will do a ton of vision, all the same channels you're watching right now. So we'll preview USC versus Oregon State, a big one. I mean, this is the you know the biggest game of the year so far. Every week is the biggest game, but this is the one. I didn't think Stanford's going to be that good. They played better than I thought, but this was the first one you're like, this is a losable game, you know? Yeah, we'll see uh, what this team is made of on yeah. the road. I haven't seen what the spread is yet. Is there an early number? I haven't is. seen. Yeah, so we'll, we'll check it out, but it's probably going to be somewhat close. Uh, I'm probably going to pick USC to cover any spreads again just okay. until they prove me wrong like i'm just going to kind of roll with it you know um just like i did last year when i would pick against usc all the time uh, i'm just <laughs> gonna work out for you i'm gonna pick usc every time this time so less less drama it's good to uh it's good to get those w's when you're picking usc I mean, we, we should know what's going on and i think some people weren't as high on usc they were like ah oh, they added all these transfers they're just not going to be that good and we're like I think they're going to be pretty good, you know, and uh, I'm going to be pretty optimistic. I'm not usually optimistic, like going into the season. I was pretty optimistic this one. feel pretty good about that optimism going in. So Coming up, Millhouse. Coming up, Millhouse. All right. So Jack Smith over there doing a great job uh, on the board. Chris Trevino. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to Tunnel Vision. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time.